Hello and welcome to the Overland Journal podcast. I'm your host, Scott Brady, and I'm here with my co-host, Matt Scott. Hello. And we are here with Dan and Marlene from the Molly Molly Mish. (laughs) And they have traveled to over 40 countries, and they just got back from a big trip. They drive a Mercedes Sprinter, and they travel with, there's five of you in there, isn't there? There is. Three children. Technically seven if you count the cats these days. You have cats in your Sprinter van. That's amazing. amazing. Plenty of room. (laughs) Give us a little bit of insight into where you've been, what you've done. Just give us kind of an overview okay? so people know where you guys have been in the world. And a special thanks to Moon Fabrications for supporting this week's podcast. Moonshade by Moon Fabrications is the portable vehicle awning you've been waiting for. Moonshade is built to last, simple to set up, and ships with everything you need to mount the Moonshade to most vehicle styles without a drill right out of the box. With over 60 square feet of shade coverage and multiple setup configurations, Moonshade is the ideal choice for rigs of all sizes. Moonshade only weighs 8 pounds and shrinks down to the size of a yoga mat so you can pack more of what you need out on the trail. Visit moonfab.com. That's M-O-O-N-F-A-B.com to place your order today. For the worst summer sun, treat yourself to the best. Moonshade has you covered. Thanks, Moonshade. It's just sort of raw numbers. We've been on the road for about 14 years, 41 countries, four continents, 49 U.S. states. All the provinces in Canada, however many there are, <laughs> a couple of territories, yeah, and most of the Mexican states. Okay, we are in a currently we're in a 170 four x four Sprinter van. Nice. That we switched to in 2018 mm-hmm. uh, with the intention to ship across to Europe, which turned out to be a good idea. But before that, we're in a four wheel a four wheel camper on an F250 chassis for two years. Okay. Then before that, we were doing just North America in a 2007 Airstream trailer. And there's nothing wrong with an Airstream. I think that's where I became first familiar with you guys was was the Airstream phase. What, what That was like yeah. five or six years ago or something? Because that's when we yeah, were like... six years ago. Yeah, that's when we were kind of like looking at, you know, oh, can we like run the business from an Airstream? And we bought an F-250 and yeah. did everything. I don't know why we didn't end up doing that. I think we realized that we would we would kill each other <laughs> as, as, as people living in a, living in a confined that's space what I tell together. People. So that's my first question. How do you not kill each other? Having five of you and two... Two cats in a van. Well, you know, 170 Sprinter is big. It is. And I think what we realize at this stage, we can and shouldn't go smaller. Okay. Yeah. So we've yeah. actually gotten smaller over time because we started when our oldest, who's 15 now, was just one. And these two weren't born yet. As our family grew bigger, our ambitions got bigger. So we had to choose, okay, we have to go smaller in the vehicle so we can go more places. But we also have to make sure we're comfortable. What became really important was just layout. As a matter of fact, our 25-foot Airstream isn't laid out as good as our four-wheel camper or our Sprinter for a family of five. Interesting. Interesting. So that's what it's really well, What's kind of, I mean, did you have like the front bedroom yeah okay why that doesn't make sense to me like what what was it about the layout of the airstream that didn't work for you i'm just curious full-time these are the best questions with ones when matt's curious it's usually good (laughs) (laughs) he really wants to know it's the idea of having full-time beds that don't convert okay okay you know because when you live in a full-time and there's all different types of scenarios can happen and you've got to consider the worst case scenario which is long driving day everybody's tired yeah nobody wants to like find a finally find a place to stay the night and then go into camper and then realize you have to do an hour of setting up. Sure. You know, so I think people that have done this knows that if you can make the setup as easy as possible, it's going to make your life. And that kind of goes with 
not killing each other. Let's yeah. make your life easier. Okay. Yeah. You know, that you makes sense. That. Just reduce stress. Reduce. Yeah. Reduce In every time, way you can. The TTB time to bed. Exactly. Yeah. So that's a new term that we've invented on the TTB. Journal podcast. Right. Hashtag TTB. <laughs> I actually call it time to beer. And it's the thing I love about the Roamer because I don't have to do anything and then I can pull up and crack a beer. Yeah. It's, it's the best TTB well, in that regard. That's a big difference between our foil camper and the Sprinter. Yeah. Is we can access the fridge without yeah. going outside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. <laughs> and that's Not good. that we're, we're, you know, promoting having a beer <laughs> when you're in the driver's seat. Yeah. Sure. Well, obviously we're not doing that. But. Sodas. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cold brew um, coffee. That's right. Yeah. Now, what did you guys do before you started traveling full time? And is were you able to transition your business or your career yeah. to doing that while you're traveling? How did that all work? I've been a web developer. Uh-huh. I was working for mostly startups in the Southern California area. Okay. And in 2004, the last company I worked for was acquired by a Fortune 500 company. Okay. So it has some stock options. Okay. So as a young 30-something, I felt like I've made it. Yeah, but sure. really, you know, it was just enough for me to walk away for a bit. Sure. To kind of start my own thing. So I started my own sort of freelance business. Nice. How old were you when you did that? Uh, in 2004, I was thir- uh, 29. Okay, cool. So in 2004, I became a, a self-employed freelance sure. web developer. You know, we're still young. We haven't had kids yet. Mm-hmm. So our mentality was totally different. We weren't we weren't necessarily the people that had these world-traveling ambitions. We were sure. like suburbanites, house. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sure. So, okay, we're in this house. We've got to buy a house. We've got to get a bigger house. We've got to get a cooler car. And yeah, yeah. All do this stuff. You can do that. You can go yeah. down that dark Yeah, you can road. just go down that black hole and like never come back. There's a, there's a sailing couple. It's called Sailing Uma. They're on YouTube. Their, yeah. their tagline is don't buy a couch. <laughs> like if you can avoid like yeah. making We were talking about this so it yeah. makes so much sense. Like if you can avoid that first when purchase. you buy the couch. Yeah. Yeah. As soon as you buy the couch yeah. you're kind of done. Yeah. Like, Never, so. Just don't don't ever live in a place that has space for a couch. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Exactly. Right. So I remember that even couch. the thought of it. Yeah. Exactly. But that, that takes a lot of that takes a lot of courage to buck well, the system to go in a different direction than buying the house in Riverside you know and just going yeah. down the road. For sure. But I guess for us, what really got us the desire to go see stuff is actually after we started having kids. Mm. You know, we had our oldest in 2007. You know, now we're like a young family of three and we're like, you know what, let's go take her to go travel. I work from home. You know, we don't have to stay here if we don't want to. And what were you traveling in at that point? Our first ever camper was a uh, was a tab. Okay. Like a little so teardrop. Little tear, the teardrop. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, sure. They were relatively new to the scene at the time. I think they went away for a couple years and then they came back. Right. So they're pretty popular now again. Our first trip was actually to Tucson, Arizona with her for like three weeks. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And two of those weeks, she got like a really bad respiratory infection oh, and was no. hospitalized. Oh no. Yeah. yeah. So luckily they have a good children's hospital. Yeah. So we were in the, I was in the trailer. She was in the hospital room with her during that time. And I was in the camper in the hospital parking lot. Sure. And my thought was like, well, you can camp at any hospital for free probably. They won't kick you out. <laughs> You know, yeah. so I always don't put that eye overlander. <laughs> no, no, I've never camped in the hospital since, but I yeah. always think about it. It's like a few, not, maybe a few yeah. Walmart parking lots, huh? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, more than a few. We're probably in the three digits. <laughs> I know. When it comes to Walmart, slept at. I know. Yeah. Yeah. It's like expectation of living life on the road is this beautiful campsite. The reality, <laughs> yeah, Walmart <laughs> parking lot. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes it's your only choice. Yeah. That's I mean, right. when we came back from Europe two uh, a month ago, when we finally got our van back, it was actually quite comforting 
to pull into a Walmart. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, yeah. like we were like, we're like nostalgic for it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, like a lot of Walmarts have stopped letting people park. That's so. true. Mm, that's true. You guys just got back from Europe relatively recently. I mean, you guys did row, row over there and back, yeah. I think, right? I mean, I guess one of the things we have never really talked about is, is that shipping to Europe. You know, we've had people talk about shipping to Africa and, and all these kinds of things. What was that process like? Was it easy? Where did you where did you exit the U.S.? Where did you enter Europe and and, and vice versa? Like I'm I'm selfishly curious. <laughs> 2018, we shipped from Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Okay, and it was a an lot easy of cars going. come in there, right? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah it's we, a big row row yeah. terminal. So we, yeah. To, for the safest route with not a lot of stops. Stops mean chances of break-in or something yeah. happening to your vehicle. So we went directly from Baltimore to Zeebrugge and Belgium. Okay, okay. Yeah. And Like for those no that issues. don't know Roro, you hand over your keys to the shipping company yeah. and then they say, leave the doors unlocked. And that's how it works. Yeah. And then they, they say, there's nothing in there, right? And you say, right. That's right. Yeah. Full of hot sauce and clothes yeah. and Yeah, because you're not stuff. supposed to right. ship personal effects. Right. Yeah. Like when I ship back from Panama, Roro, you're not supposed to have any fuel in it, like just right. enough yeah. for it right. to get on. Yeah. Right. Of course, the, you know, you do the nod, nod, wink, wink. Yeah. And of course, I've got like all my stuff. And <laughs> I yeah. got to drive away from the port and, when I get there. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Panama was amazing. They were yeah. perfect. And nothing got oh, stolen. Good. Yeah. yeah, we... We haven't had anything stolen, but you know you hear about it. Yeah, for but sure. But of course, you only hear about the bad stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So. yeah we were we were fortunate because you know we also chose the first time they actually had two extra stops that were unanticipated. Mm-hmm. But it went to like Frankfurt, and then maybe it went to somewhere in UK. Right. But this coming back was yeah nonstop port to port, and then minimize the chance of somebody sticking their head in. Yeah, sure. Take. And as I recall, it's a lot cheaper to ship to Europe than back. Yeah, because of yeah. the number of there's more cars coming this way than the other way. We had heard that it turned out to be true, but we don't know how much of the increase in price was due to just the troubles with the current logistics. Yeah, I mean when you initially shipped in 2018, yeah. it was shipping world. back in 2022. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know what containers used to cost me in 18 and I yeah. know what they cost me in 22. Yeah. yeah, I think container prices have jumped higher. Row rows relatively yeah. consistent because they can't yeah. produce the cars and it's great a volume, right? And right. these ships are so specific. And then with containers, you're competing with everybody who's yeah. selling little tchotchkes and getting them made from wherever. Mm-hmm. I think it went up about 60% okay. compared to shipping there and shipping back. And can I ask how much it was initially like to get there? And- 2500 all said and done, paperwork and everything to get there. And on the way back, it was 4000 What about insurance for the EU? Like what? Because I don't know why more people don't ship to Europe. There's so many cool things there. Yeah. You have access to North Africa. You have access yeah. to East places in Eastern Europe. You have all of the Nordic countries and all that kind of stuff. There's so much cool yeah. stuff. And great infrastructure. Yeah, great infrastructure yeah. and the world's best art museums. I'm super keen on So what was the insurance process like for a U.S. registered vehicle? Was it easy to acquire? Who did you use? It was easy. For us, we use a company that specializes in foreign vehicles traveling in Europe. Yeah. So they require, you can do full coverage if you want, but at the minimum you need liability. Okay. And for liability, they use what's called a green card insurance and that's what everybody has. Anyone who has a car in Europe has to have a green card insurance card and it has like all the country's names on it mm-hmm. and then the ones that they cover are circled and the ones that aren't are like punched out or something. Yeah. So we had all of EU countries covered. As Americans, I think As Americans get- and through our insurance company, you can get more, but I don't 
don't know how we, we didn't get, but you can also buy liability insurance per country while you're there okay. for non-EU countries. For our van, liability was $1,500 a year. Yeah. That's really not yeah. that bad when you They did require us to keep our liability insurance in the U.S., which I don't know why, but we have it's to another keep, 30 we're bucks from Cal- Yeah, we're from California, so we have to keep liability minimum to keep our registration. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. just personal. I think oh, Arizona yeah. does that too because I realize one of my motorcycles is registration has been canceled Illegal. because it didn't have insurance <laughs> on it because it's been sitting there for like three oh. years in the corner yeah. gathering dust. Pretty straightforward. But full coverage gets expensive. Yeah. I think if you want a full like theft and, and accidental coverage it's like for our van anyways it was going to be like 7000 for the year. Yeah. Wow. So we yeah, just that really took a chance. Yeah. It's very expensive. Yeah. 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 yeah, and there's only a few that do it. Thumb insurance is one you can insure through Lloyd's as well, but that's even more expensive. Yeah. So. What was the one that we looked into? Just a few months trip down to Panama with a vehicle. It was over five thousand dollars for, for full coverage. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just because the the vehicle was expensive yeah. enough, where it'd be. As far as insurance is concerned, you have to also pay for separate uh, lost insurance if you want full coverage for the for the robo trip. If you're concerned that something yeah. may happen to the ship, which on the way back we were just. A month before that railroad ship sank. All right. With yeah. all those fancy cars. And they were all on fire and everything. And they were thinking, yeah. does this mean our, the odds are better for our ship than it won't sink? So, or is this a trend? Yeah. Or is this going to, yeah, right. Hopefully it's not a start of something. But both of our trips were very, I wouldn't say easy, but we were fortunate nothing bad happened. Yeah. There's delays, obviously. There's always delays. So. Well, one of the questions that I have, I don't have children myself. You know, I spent a lot of time with my nephews and I just, I know how joyful that is uh, to be with them, but I get to give them back. For you guys, how how did things change from what you expected travel to be like with a family of five? And the realities now that you guys have traveled in Europe together and you've spent so much time in close quarters, what's been the, the amazing joys from that, that things that have changed you as a family? And then what advice would you give to a family that wanted to do something Similar. I think when we started, we were like, let's go to Florida and back and do like our big three-month trip and we'll show our kid the sights. Didn't become what we were going to go look at. It became our bond, you yeah. know, was so much stronger. We're still on our three-month trip. <laughs> I love it. 14 years later. Yeah. But the bond between us was stronger because we were together all the time. We knew, we knew what we were feeling and we're experiencing everything together. So we have the same memories. We can talk about the same things. And then once we had more kids, the sibling bond and how much they like spending time together is why we keep doing this. Just as a logistics thing, I'm just thinking about if you're pregnant on the road, like how do you plan on where you're going to have the, like how does that, how does that work? We made a bad financial decision and we left our house empty and we weren't in it until I was pregnant. Until we knew we were done with having kids. Yeah, and then we sold it after the third kid, but between the first and the third kid, we left our home empty in California and I used the same doctor and they were all born in the same hospital and as soon as they had their shots and they were clear from the doctor we went back and so when you were pregnant you would come back to california yeah. you would be there and, and yeah. deal with got that. it okay yeah. that makes sense i mean we have I was like that sounds like like an <laughs> no, adventure I, all in and of itself no, people have people have done that i'm sure i think that we think that's crazy that is crazy <laughs> you know, for us you know it was never it wasn't about like trying to get all the adventures done before kids we didn't start until after we had kids sure so it was all part of the equation we didn't really have a lot of people to kind of ask questions about at the time because social media when we started wasn't really a thing i think 
we had Blackberries sure, you know, yeah. for our phones. It's gotten easier <laughs> now. Than we met a lot of folks. Like we met, you know, we had a couple of like sessions with other families that want to do this. Yeah. You know, so we've talked to a lot of people, and then we just we tell them like clearly this is not like having kids doesn't mean you have to stop, but you do have to change your mindset about what traveling is like. So we talk to the kids every year. Right around like end of the year, we say, "Do you guys are you guys still having fun? Do you still want to do this? You know, because you don't want to have you don't want to drag your kids along in your adventure. You want to be on an adventure that everybody it's a family wants adventure. To do. Yeah, yeah. Together. That's the mindset change you have to have when you're doing it with with kids. Mm. And we are seeing it more and more. I was traveling through Central America. You would definitely bump into like French family, yeah. French families yeah. like in an RV yeah. that yeah. they bought in France and they shipped yeah. it over Roro and they got 87 kids in there. You would find that on occasion, and they yeah. were all so well adjusted and happy. Yeah. I mean, we have Graham Bell here in the audience, and he's traveled for decades with his kids. People that are doing it. It is funny when you say French family because when the families would come across in Europe, usually they're French. Yeah, you know, if there's a family, it's French, and it's. A, I'm it's always a so jealous of the French. Like they just seem to like have these like wonderful, peaceful yeah. lives with. It's the wine and cheese. And cheese and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's wonderful. It's the more rosé, Matt. More rosé. Yeah. More rosé. Yeah. Champagne. You know, it's all gone to my complexion this week. You've turned the color of rosé. Yeah, essentially. Look at you. Makes me thirsty. You are what you drink. Twenty-five <laughs> percent Red Bull. Seventy-five percent rosé. Now that you're looking back on that trip from Europe, how would you say that having your kids with you has has changed you two? How have you guys? senior perspective on the world change. We're more aware of the environment and like when we camp and wild camp and there's just trash around, it just makes me sad for the next generation. But it makes me excited to raise kids that can see that and say, this is wrong. Like we need to clean up the earth and take care yeah. of nature more. I want to dwell some more on Europe. Yeah. 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 So I don't really want to focus on like Western European countries. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, no no offense to like France and Germany yeah. and that kind of stuff, no. but industrialized and <laughs> whatever. What, what were the, the most wild places that you went to in Europe? As Americans, you have to do what's called the Schengen Shuffle. When yeah. You're there. Fortunately, we didn't have to deal with that, but we were well aware of it, and we have friends. 180 that, days and yeah, Schengen 180 days nine months or out of the 180 rolling window. Previous 180 days, so you have to leave Schengen countries that are the most popular tourism yeah. countries. So you're forced to go out. You know, you you can go to you can go to Morocco and go to Turkey. You can go to. Did you guys do Morocco? Serbia. We did. We, we did got Morocco. Stuck we did there Turkey during the pandemic oh, and had to yeah. wait for a rescue. Boat. <laughs> With all French oh, campers. <laughs> yeah, because they closed so the borders. Leave, you had to leave your van there then. No. No, we're, so other Americans and Canadians had to because they were only allowing EU citizens or residents back into the EU. I see. So that's why I was saying we didn't have to do the Schengen shuffle because Marlene's family's from Croatia. Gotcha. So she was able to get dual citizenship for herself and the kids. And then I was able and to get you back free off of her. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's so they said you can stay as long as you're with them. So we got back. We could, we're able to come back to Europe during that during that lockdown period. Sure. Uh, because of that. And then there were there were a couple from Montana that was stuck there longer. There was a couple from there was a family from Canada that was stuck there longer. And there was a couple from uh, Malaysia that was stuck yeah. there longer. Wow. So we actually felt pretty fortunate. Yeah. But we're sharing our experience pretty much live at the time. So you know I think it, it was got, an, it was an amazing time. Yeah, I'm sure it was really stressful. Like it, it would was, suck, let's be honest. Yeah. But I mean looking back like that's kind of a unique thing. I mean, the yeah. world shut down and you had to figure out how to get you, your family, and your car from one continent to yeah. another yeah. when everything shut down. Yeah. Well, you know, the ferries to Spain is only a 30-minute Yeah, yeah. yeah. Except Spain was the country that, that closed itself. 
to Morocco. So we had to wait for a ferry that came down from France. Yeah. Which is a two-day ferry. Yeah. Yeah. It was a two-day ferry because it was coming to get people, so they weren't carrying anybody down. Hmm. So everybody had to pay for a round-trip ticket (laughs) for the ferry to come get us. We still have the return ticket to Spain. (laughs) Yeah. We'll We'll use it one day. One day we'll be back. Talking about favorite countries, though, it seems like our favorite countries, like we love all the countries, but the ones on the outside, like, okay, we went to Morocco and it's like, oh, so cool here. We can go further. Like it pushes us like, oh, we love Turkey. Wow, we can just keep going to Central Asia. I think those are somehow that, you know, it pushes us. And special thanks to the New England Overland Rally for supporting this week's podcast. The New England Overland Rally will bring together overlanders, adventure travelers, outdoor enthusiasts, and specialty exhibitors from throughout the Northeast and further for a fun and informative weekend of camping, educational classes, vendor demos, live music, and even culinary creations. Thompson Speedway Motorsports Park, located in the quiet northeast corner of Connecticut, is within an hour of several major cities, including Boston, Hartford, and Providence. The New England Overland Rally will be one of the largest gatherings of overland and outdoor enthusiasts in the Northeast. And the fall is a wonderful time of year at the track, and they have more than 200 acres for camping, vendor displays, food and beverage areas, and parking. For more information and to register, please visit neoverlandrally.com. We were talking to some friends that, uh, Richard and Ashley, you yeah, know, yeah. So they were talking about their experience in Saudi Arabia, and then they're like, oh yeah, you know, it's like when you, the first time you hear the call to prayers in the morning. It's amazing. It's a, for, for an American, it's a complete different cultural experience. Yeah, it's incredible. And then people say, oh yeah, I didn't have time to go down to Morocco. I was in Europe for a little bit. I only, if I, go, if I had gone, I, only, I would go for like two days to Tangier. But I was saying like, well, you know, if we take a half hour for you to Tangier, that's practically a spaceship to Mars. You're in a different yeah. planet when you get there. You are. 30 minutes away. That's right. So if you just have that little bit of time, by all means, go yeah. try it. Yeah, Morocco's really special. Yeah. For sure. yeah. I want to go back. Morocco is like so easy to get to. It's the, yeah. it's, it's, it's the equivalent it's, of Baja. Yeah, for it's European Baja. Yeah. Even the surfing too. Is I think insane. it's funny, like yeah. you fly into the airport in Marrakesh and like in the parking lot, there's all these overland trucks that's like parked right. there. Yeah. Like right. it's really cool. Like yeah. people leave them there. They fly in, they yeah. fly out, yeah. they travel. Yeah, I mean, Marrakesh, Casablanca. We just had a rental car. Yeah. And that that little Dacia Sandero or something. Those are real like, popular down Yeah, really cool. Yeah. It, was, it had like, it was diesel and it had like a 90 liter fuel drives. tank. It was like a lifted Corolla and we may or may not have found some really cool Dakar course by Agadir and we may or may not have taken off the front skid plate on it but it was a really fun place yeah. we wish we had more time there we ended up only having a month before everything happened yeah. we would go back and experience the coast which is what we missed the thought was okay let's go inland first because it's gonna get hot and then we'll slowly come back up the coast mm. and our slow back up the coast was like half a day yeah. trying to get up there before the border closed and it was true we didn't make yeah it's, you're moving at that point yeah. but it's still like you said like the the harrowing experiences ends up being the ones you remember and yeah. you kind of look almost fondly back at it well we yeah. were talking about that yesterday and we're so lucky as humans that we're programmed to forget the bad stuff as time goes on we just remember the good, those good memories of travel yeah oh even that's, the bad that's memories the become, become yeah. 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 stories and yeah. Like, yeah well they say it's not an adventure until something goes wrong <laughs> yeah. yeah I'm really curious about Eastern Europe mm-hmm. things are very dynamic there at the moment Moldovia and just mm-hmm. going in into like Bosnia Herzegovina that area did you guys travel there much mm-hmm. sure yeah what yeah. did you guys find in 
there. I, I have not been to that country, so. Marlene's family's from Croatia originally. Sure. So, and then they left during the, the Balkan War. Sure. Or actually before no. the Balkan War. She would go back as a kid when it was still Yugoslavia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there was a period in the 90s where they couldn't go back. So we kind of see the Balkans with a slightly different perspective because of that familial history. It feels like home to us because she speaks Croatian. Amazing. So everywhere we go, it diffuses any tension that may yeah. have. Like I we're feel- in Bosnia or is it Serbia? Like we need to park the van somewhere mm-hmm. to go to this Chavapi place. We're parked in front of this house and the guy comes out, starts yelling at us in Serbian or Bosnian. Yeah. And then she's asked him in Croatian back because it's the same language practically. Okay. And then he's like, oh, okay. Yeah, you can park there. And then his mom comes out, starts yelling. Yeah. And the son's like, no, 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 they're cool. They're cool. Let them park there. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of Americans are still intimidated by that area or they just don't know. Yeah. They don't know it as much more than a war. Yeah. When I was yeah. there, I was under completely different auspices. So yeah. Yeah. that's why I'd like to go back. So. Yeah. That's I mean, a lot of people who have experienced there, I think they have military experience from being stationed nearby and having to like yeah. negotiate that stuff. I grew up in Chicago and I grew up with so many people that came from that area during the war when mm-hmm. right, a lot right. of people ended up in Chicago. <clears throat> There's a lot of Croatians in Chicago. They didn't have necessarily, they had just left a country that was at war, you know? Right. So it was like, like, I really want to push myself to go there. I just don't know anything about it. And I think a lot of people are in the same yeah. boat that they get stuck to the Schengen countries in Europe and they yeah. just don't explore and they don't appreciate or recognize the history that is in that right. whole region. And, and that coastline and everything yeah. is stunning. Yeah. 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 Brian, what, was, what was a route that you guys did in Croatia that comes to mind as being more adventurous and, and maybe a little more remote that you could well, share? Well, the second you go inland, it's like a different country. Okay. You know, so when you're along the coast, tourism is by far the biggest industry there. And it's unfortunate because they rely so much on it that it's either you're doing that and you make good money or you don't and then you're poor. If you go inland right away, you still see bombed out houses and villages. Yeah, People left and just never came back. Right. And then after a few bombed out houses, there's like a massive mansion that somebody immigrated to America, poured money back to build up their own family home. So, you know, going inland and then meandering through there, there's a lot of the things that we love most about Croatia is all the communist relics that are still there. It's like these old like yeah. urban exploration stuff that you yeah. get fascinating. Those, yeah. those abandoned yeah. Yeah, we went to an abandoned air base <clears throat> and well, the police yeah. pulled up to make sure we weren't camping there or causing any trouble. They're like, can we go in there? Can yeah. we go explore the, you know, the old air base? They're like, you can, but there's bears living in there now. Yeah. <laughs> so be careful with the bears. That's like, amazing. I will just stay and just they came to us. <laughs> they came to talk to us, not because they, we didn't, they didn't want us to be there. They came to warn us about the bears. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. And you wouldn't think about like a bear encounter in Europe. Yeah. No. So this is like, this is like straight out of Star Wars. It's an underground, under a mountain. This is like where the where the rebels would have hit their X-Wings. Yeah, sure. Yeah. You know? So it's like deep in the tunnel. Yeah. There's probably still stuff in there. You have piqued my interest. <laughs> <laughs> it's really cool. And it's right on the border of Croatia and Bosnia. Okay. So now there were, so they also do patrolling for like whatever, like illegal immigration because being part of the EU now, they're sort of at the front, front lines of their border. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing about Croatia is like, they've always been like going way back thousands of years they were the frontiers against the Ottoman invasion you know so now they're the frontiers against non-European Union countries right Serbia sort of aligning themselves with Russia like there's some conflicts at least ideologically there too there's always been you know her family being Croatian there's and the war is still so fresh yeah for everybody but I will say though within the last 20 years a lot of the younger people's mentalities have changed Mm -hmm. you know her cousin who lives in Croatia was dating a Serbian girl for years and years and 20 years ago we would have never imagined 
imagine yeah. that, no. But camping there is great. And while the thing is, a lot of countries have, they ban wild camping, which is boondocking here. If you get away from the coastline and you're not in peak summer season, then there's trails and places to camp. And yeah, and they leave you be alone. By your, and you they can camp you by yourself. Yeah. And, and what people don't realize, you know, there's these popular apps, kind of like what we have here. Our user contributed, like, our Overlander works there, but then they have this other one called Park for Night. A lot of the properties are private properties. And you have to really be mindful because having friends and relatives that live there, we know when we go to her family's village, all this land is owned by somebody. It doesn't look like it, sure. but it's owned by somebody. You know, so when we go to like places like Portugal or go to like, you know, other more countries with a lot of like wide open rural space, we're mindful that somebody may own this land, but let's not tell everybody to come here. You know, yeah. if they let us stay, you know, that's awesome. But let's let everybody else who tries to come here first communicate with those locals, figure it get out, get their, their permission, yeah. you know, instead of just sharing it with the world. And then like while we were there, like Portugal shut down all wild camping because it has gotten so bad. So, you know, it's something to be mindful of. Oh, and it'll happen here if we don't take responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. For... Feels like it has in some places for yeah. sure. Well, and Moab shut a bunch of stuff down. Sedona shut, shut a bunch of stuff yeah. down. So yeah. the party will be over if we don't take care of it. So. Right. Absolutely. Sure. So now let's talk a little bit about your van. Talk about what you've done to modify it, to meet your needs and any advice you'd have for someone that mm -hmm. was looking for a sprinter? We bought our sprinter four months before we shipped to Europe. For us, it was really more about comfort. We don't have anything in our van that's there just to look cool. Okay. The ones, we, have some, we do have a snorkel. Oh, okay. Well, of course, okay. you're an overlander. Okay. That's because we're driving. <laughs> we only installed it because our plan was to drive through across Mongolia. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah. But now we're sitting around with a snorkel like, oh yeah, we're such posers. <laughs> but it's, it the overland, it's the overland wave. We, uh, we just kind of add things as needed. You know, we added skid plates last year and snorkel last year with the intention of driving across Central Asia, Mongolia, Russia. That's an amazing route. I hope yeah. you guys will be able to we, do that. We hope to be able to do it. I think it's going to take a while. It's yeah. going to take a while. So I think what we'll do is when we go back to Europe, we'll buy a different vehicle from there. I think it opens up more possibilities not having California license plate when we start going to Eastern yeah. part of that area, Central Asia, like former Soviet bloc and stuff like that. Especially now, people in Europe go drive through Iran, yeah. which is a beautiful country. But as American passport or U.S. passport holders, it's challenging. They're dual citizens with Croatia. I'm dual citizen with Taiwan. But the California license plate is yeah. what gives us away. Yeah, yeah I drove across the Silk Road with U.K. plates. Yeah. And it was easy. Right. You're on a V5. They recognize the document oftentimes. Yeah. So it's not unusual. So. And we feel like having kids also helps Always diffuse helps. Yeah. the situation. Yeah. Whenever we're when crossing a, couple, a border, when you got a couple yeah. military age males in a vehicle, it always yeah. raises suspicions. Yeah. So. Wearing wearing multi cam, yeah, all tactical, <laughs> all tactical gear, color yeah. gloves. We roll down the windows and like kids smile, wave. Yeah, yeah. yeah. it makes Say a big difference. Hello in that language, and it. Yeah. Okay, you guys are good. Makes a big difference. <laughs> so you added the skid plate and the snorkel for Mongolia. What else have you guys found? Like, oh, this really made a difference for our travels. I mean, we have a four wheel drive sprinter, but I don't think it's absolutely necessary. But having good tires yeah. always help. We would go smaller if we could just to fit into more places. But, you know, we switched from the four-wheel camper for Europe partially because it was easier to find parts if something broke. For an F-250, like, you're completely out of luck if you're there. You're shipping it in. You're paying more for fuel with a vehicle like that. And also, it was six inches narrower. And that made all the difference in some places. Sure. It meant either dragging your car along this rock wall or just barely fitting through. Well, all the goods in Europe are delivered to the little stores with yeah. a 
sprinter. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. that, that's, that was exactly what I said when we decided. Or like said, a little Citra, some yeah. equivalent. I right. mean, they're all the same size. Right. Yeah. I said this the other day. They got to have beers delivered here. <laughs> that right. comes in a sprinter. That's right. And if they're not delivering beers to this place, I don't want to go. <laughs> I like this. This is a good philosophy. Right? This yeah. is a good philosophy. What did you guys do in the interior for like a build out? I mean, obviously, um, like you're living in it. Yeah, permanent bunks in the back because we don't want to set up anything. So the kids sleep on top, all three together. And then Dan and I sleep below. We have two cabinets, so our bed's a little bit smaller. And then we have our garage below that. Before the Sprinter, our full camper was the front dinette version. Yeah. So it had the cab over a king size bed and then the dinette underneath. So that was sort of like a bunk bed with the galley and mm-hmm. fridge on, on the side like this. So we actually really like that. We just want a hard sides. Yeah. So that's why the Sprinter helped. So we sort of mimicked that layout, but instead of having the dinette and the cab over, we had upper and lower bunks. So we're on the bottom, the kids on the top. And then we had the sort of galley style kitchen. And what's nice about the Sprinter is that we don't lose the cab space. Oh, sure. Like we did yeah. in the four wheel. Yeah, you can turn it around. Yeah, we have our favorite seats. things are they the swivels. They become part of the Yeah. yeah. So even though we don't have like a nice big dinette tabletop to kind of play games or do stuff in, but we can still sit and Where do the kids sit while you're driving? We have, they call the... Crew. Crew. The Sprinter Factory crew. crew. Okay. So we so bought it, seat. yeah. Oh, I see. It has a Got second it. row bench seat. I see. Yeah. Got it. That makes sense. Cool. Yeah, it was yeah. completely empty, but the bench seat and some headliner. Yeah, that and makes sense. And then we sense. built the rest out ourselves. Okay. Okay, so you did it. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering if somebody did it. No, it was yeah. us in That's front cool. of my parents' house. You can. I mean, there are, there are, there are yeah. vendors here that have, you know, seat bases that attach to L-Track. Sure. Fully yeah. customizable, stuff like that. So we would have gone that route if we couldn't find this van. This yeah. this was the van that we, we would have built on the Mercedes website if we were to build one. And in fact, when we decided to switch from the four-wheel, we went to the website and it's like, okay, so what would it be like for us to build one? So we picked stone gray because that was a cool color that we wanted. We picked the, the 170 crew four-wheel drive and then we built this out. That looks great. And I'm like, we're never going to find this. This doesn't exist. You can order one it'll happen two years after. Yeah. And then we went to the closest Mercedes dealership and it was like... There. It was just, just <laughs> sitting there. Talk about <laughs> meant to be. It was yeah. meant to be. That's incredible. Yeah. It was a sign. Somebody had ordered it and then decided that they couldn't get enough for their trade-in and just said, give it to somebody else. What a day. And then we showed yeah. up and we're like, this is 2018 and it was already hard to find by then. Yeah. And they yeah, were that was like no deals. Sprinter, like yeah. four-wheel drive. They finally yeah. come to the U.S. madness. Yeah. 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 There are no discounts. You're paying MSRP. And they, only, they gave us $1,000 off. We're like, those people only gave us $1,000 <laughs> off. And now we look like geniuses. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. I mean, just to get it at MSRP. Just to get a, yeah. a van impossible. at any price really has been yeah, tough. It's yeah, it's impossible. This content is brought to you by Overland Journal. Our premium quality print publication. The magazine was founded in 2006 with the goal of providing independent equipment and vehicle reviews, along with the most stunning adventures and photography. We care deeply about the countries and cultures we visit and share our experiences freely with our readers. We also have zero advertorial policy and do not accept any advertiser compensation for our reviews. By subscribing to Overland Journal, you're helping to support our employee-owned and veteran-owned publication. Your support also provides resources and funding for content like you are watching or listening to right now. You can subscribe directly on our website at overlandjournal.com. What is coming up next for you guys? What Now that you're back in the U.S., what's the plan? So we have a 15-year-old. Okay. So in three years, she can choose to leave us. If she wants. <laughs> uh, but she doesn't want to. She wants to keep adventuring. And we talk about it each year. So when we came back, we weren't originally planning on shipping the van back. We came back because her brother 
brother's getting married. She okay. only has one brother and we can't not go. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, it's yeah. important. So that's in two weeks. So our obligations back here ends in two weeks. And then the next obligation is the kids have missed trick-or-treating in the U.S. Because they don't <laughs> yeah. do that in Europe. Yeah, that's a big deal. So we want to do that this year. And then after that, we really miss Baja. So we want to yeah. go back down there when it's so cooler. Special. Yeah. yeah. 2023 sort of, you know, it, it becomes sky's the limit thing again. So we t- we're talking about possibly shipping to Uruguay. Yeah. Um, and then starting the Pan Am coming up, going down and come up the other way. Awesome. Or also, I'm from Taiwan originally, so the kids really want to go mostly for the food. And I also have to show them that orange chicken is not the best dish. <laughs> <laughs> what? Mike drop walks out. <laughs> the youngest. He loves it. It's his favorite dish. He's like, I can't wait to go to Taiwan and just go eat a panda. We don't have panda there in Taiwan. But if we do that, though, I don't think we'll ship a car. I think yeah, we'll South America sounds amazing yeah. now. Yeah, so we have lots of friends that have gone. I mean, you know, you spend a lot of time yeah. down there. So it seems like it seems like something that, that we could one of the easiest things for us to do yeah because you know, we're, we're neighbors practically. and it's beautiful down there yeah. it's stunning yeah. yeah and there's penguins yeah and there's, there's penguins, penguins. <laughs> right that's right. right how do you Great feel wine. about shipping down there and driving up versus driving down and shipping back like is there a particular method or reason as to why you chose to do that I'm scared of the heat in Central America oh, with you these two both. cats and we don't yeah. have an air conditioning by our choice okay so I'm a little worried. Like, do you kids think and, you'll do Central America? Uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. I think it'd yeah. be easier for us to be in uh, weather that we can ex- mountains we can escape to. Well, also, logistically, for people that drive down, you got to ship across the Darien Gap, anyways. anyways. Yeah. And you come all the way down, and what do you do at the bottom? Or do you just turn around and drive up? Come I mean, obviously you can do the. You can drive a different route up. Yeah. A lot of people go up and ship from Buenos Aires or or Montevideo, anyways, to yes. come back to Texas or something. So if you don't want to sort of do a lot of double backing. And you do have to kind of play everything by weather. So if we can time it right, we just go down and then we never have to like redo any routes. Yeah. And just come up. And it also sort of minimizes the amount of shipping you have to do. Mm. Unless you're shipping from Montevideo to South Africa or Europe or something, then it makes more sense to drive down and then ship out. So if you're going to come back into the U.S., you know, it seems that way. And then we would love to just have the last place we'd be before we come back be Baja again. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. 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 I like driving. Tacos. Driving up is good. I think yeah. driving up is good. Yeah. I've always sense. been stuck on, on this romantic notion of driving down and ending in Ushuaia. Like, I just don't think that I could do it any other way when I that is, when I eventually yeah. go crazy by a motorcycle and call my wife from Panama. Yeah. <laughs> that is different to start from there. But then you have to sort of picture yourself ending at Prudhoe Bay. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Do it yeah. The other direction. And you're going to encounter a lot more travelers that are heading south. Yeah. So you'll meet a lot more people. Which oh, that's is, true. Yeah, I think so, right? Whereas if you're all going the same direction, maybe you kind of interact with folks. But if yeah. you're going opposite of traffic, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. then you're yeah. going to bump into a lot more And then more you travel. become the guys who tells people yeah, where get, things are. Exactly. You know? yeah. Exactly. Well, we're getting close to the end, but you want to bring your kids up so they can we can introduce them? And you guys you guys want to do that or no? Not interested? <laughs> you guys want to say hi? <laughs> you guys want to just come say hi? Just come say hi? You guys are the awesome ones going around the world. How cool so this is, is that? Luca. He's 10. Okay, so we got Luca. Yep. Introduce and yourselves. I'm Mila. 
That's Mila. And Ava. And Ava. Well, we are we are so impressed by all of you and your stories and your adventures around the world. The cats aren't here, but that. this is no cat. What are the yeah. name of the cats? Uh, okay, twin, the gray one with the nice one. one. Toby, is there such thing as a nice cat? Okay. I mean, I if you if you compare two, then there's nicer one. Uh, well. Thank you, guys. Any other questions that you've got, Matt? No, this has been so good. I've, I've been able to ask all my selfish questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, we so appreciate all of you being on the podcast and inspiring so many other families to go see the world and not be afraid to do that. And Thanks for what us. an amazing thing to experience together. So, Thank you. Thank you for having us, too. Thank you, guys, thank for you. being on the thank podcast. You so much. We thank everybody for listening. We'll talk to you all next time. Thank you.